Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk all about AEW and NXT from last night. NXT, what a great show. Candice LeRae going up against Shotzi Blackheart. The return of Tony Storm. Also, Damian Priest and Dexter Loomis. And then we talk about AEW. Orange Cassidy challenging Cody Rhodes for that TNT championship. And then Lance Archer challenging John Moxley for the AEW Heavyweight Championship. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. One of the things that NXT does very, very well is the enhancement matches. Tony Storm's match with Aaliyah is a perfect example of that. Don't put her in there right away with somebody that's at the top of the roster. You know, don't spend too much time with the microphone in her hand. You know how you get a, a talent over? Old school. Have a nice enhancement match within the body of the show. You did that last night with Tony Storm. And I think the last time they brought Tony Storm in, it wasn't that successful. I think this time around, it will be. And I, I, that's the best, the best way you get somebody over. Put them in the ring in a nice old school enhancement match. Tony Storm looks like a star to me. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it, it's no secret that that kind of look, that rock and roll look, I, I like. She looks like a star. She walks like a star. She moves like a star. She presents herself like a star. She's going to keep getting better in the ring. Same thing with her as with everybody else. Reps, reps, reps. Digging the new entrance. Yep. You know, la- last week we were talking about the the vignette that they did with her where they stripped all the makeup off. And we kind of saw like beach girl Tony Storm. And we were wondering if they were going to go in a different direction with her as of last night. No way. No. They're keeping the Tony Storm that we know. Tommy Lee face paint, rock and roll hair, kind of looking like Bobby Brown from the Cherry Pie video. Gets in there, gets the job done. Like you said, good enhancement match for her. There's one thing I think that Tony Storm needs to be concerned about, though, and that's her finishing move. That double underhook pile driver sit out gimmick bomb, whatever she calls it. Not going to be able to hit that on women that are much taller than her or even a little bit taller than her. If you watch last night, Aaliyah's head only cleared by a little bit. Another inch and there could have been some, 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 some bad stuff happening. So she's got to be careful that might want to re-examine a finishing move because I don't think she's going to be able to hit that on a rear Ripley or, uh, or a Mercedes, or um, uh, 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 what's the other girl's name, uh, who got into it with Rhea last night? Uh, oh, Gonzalez. R- R- yeah. Gonzalez. You know, those are taller women. And I'm sure there's other yeah. couple of other tall girls there also. So that's the only thing that if I was Tony Storm, or if I was one of the NXT people, I'd be like, hey, let's come up with something that you can hit on anybody, which is finishing move 101, Dave. 
when you're coming up with a finishing move, when you're trying to invent your own finishing move or take somebody else's finishing move and put your own twist on it, you have to be able to hit it on anybody, anytime, anywhere, and out of nowhere. So that's the only thing. But I'm uh, I- I'm two thumbs up on Tony Storm digging everything about her. And that's why, like, you know, especially on the main roster, they've completely gotten away from enhancement matches. I'm glad that NXT does that because it does what it's supposed to do, enhance the talent in the ring and get them over. And like you said, you know, get their finishing maneuver over. Now you know everything about Tony Storm by what she does in the ring. We come on the show every Thursday. We talk about NXT and AEW, we always talk about how AEW seems to have the lead in this aspect or in that aspect. I'll tell you one aspect that NXT has the clear-cut definitive lead in, and that's their women's division. What a difference in their women's divisions. I'm sorry, last night's women's match on AEW left a lot to be desired. Last night's enhancement match between uh, Tony Storm uh, and Aaliyah, very good. Uh, the match between Shotzi Blackheart and uh, Candice LeRae, very good. Excellent. Excellent. I, yeah. I, I know you put it over on social media, too. Like, Shotzi won some uh, points with you last night. Damn I mean, right you watch those two women's match on NXT as compared to the women's match on AEW, night and day. So my advice to AEW was, would be only put the women in that ring who you know are going to be able to get the job done. That was very choppy last night. Then those two women need to continue to work. Now, they're victims of rust and, and the COVID situation where you don't get to work a lot, but it was glaring last night with uh, Sheeta and Swole. There's one thing going on with AEW that you don't see in NXT is I, I feel like a lot of the wrestlers in AEW, especially in the women's division, because let's face it, I think I think they do have some names. We mentioned it with Awesome Kong yesterday. I think they are building up their women's division. From what I hear, Eva Lisa said that she's signed with AEW, so that's gonna gonna help that women's division. But they need to start building some chemistry with some of these women as well. You don't see like a lot of storylines or a lot of like grudge matches or anything like that with the women in AEW it's a lot of one-on one-off matches if you're going to build stories and then build matches that fans are going to want to see they're going to have to start building chemistry within one another as well with what AEW is trying to achieve with their two-hour show every week they have to put as much firepower out there as possible with any given segment um I don't know why. Maybe you can help answer this question. Why does it seem like Nyla Rose is on the back burner? Because she is. She is. I mean, I, you noticed her last night. She was in the crowd last night. Now, I know that a lot of these women, a lot of the wrestlers, too, that we don't get to see on Dynamite, we see that on AEW Dark. But let's not confuse the two shows. One is on YouTube. The other one is on TNT at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So, you know, let's not confuse the two shows by any stretch of the imagination. But Nyla Rose, it, 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 it's, it sounds crazy. Nyla Rose is as hot as any other woman in that division. They paired her up with Vicky Guerrero. So now, Bully, you and I talked about we're prepared now. All right, now she's getting shot to the moon. And it feels like once they made that move with Vicky, we haven't we haven't seen her on TV. It's crazy, but it's true. Britt Baker is going to be the star of the show in the women's division. That I think we already know. But Nyla, when it comes to in between the ropes, 
She's like Kong, who's not there right now, where she is there but not really doing anything. I think AEW needs to pick their top four or five women and put them in situational stuff every single week where they have an opportunity to shine. Last night with those AEW women, I saw two women going out there just trying to get their stuff in. I didn't see two women working for the benefit of the match. And I'm yeah, sure people, you know, hit me up on social media. Oh, you're totally wrong. You're totally wrong. No, I'm not totally wrong. I see through all this stuff. The, the effort was there. Don't get me wrong. I've seen Big Swole have good, better matches. I've seen her have better matches. I've, I've seen Sheeta have better matches. Last night wasn't one of them. I like Big Swole a lot. I mean, she's she's almost a mainstay on AEW Dark, and we've seen her on Dynamite as well. I mean, I, I'm I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, but she, they again building chemistry, and and Sheeta. And listen, I know Sheeta's a great wrestler. I I just don't think her as champion moves the needle right now. I I, I, I you know I know in a lot of ways there Britt Baker's coming back next week. Uh, Britt Baker, as you said, is the star. Britt Baker is the future champion, or at least in a championship, you know, feud with somebody. I, maybe they're just waiting for for everyone to come back. I mean, may, or maybe they're waiting for that big moment. I don't know, but I, I just don't think. And 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 if people disagree with me, tell me. I'm not saying that she is not talented. I just don't think she moves the needle with this women's division right now. Um. Uh, I got to agree with you. And I just want to check in on the old Twitter machine real quick. Brandon Monty chimed in. He goes, Tony Storm has hit that move on Rhea Ripley plenty of times in their feud in NXT UK. All right. Okay, cool. Then I, I stand corrected. Rhea is considerably taller than Tony. Um, as long as she can do it safely, because what I saw last night looked like it, it, it came a little close. But if she can do that move safely to the taller women, then then go get them, kid. Hey, everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Orange Cassidy is no longer just a gimmick. I mean, he is definitely a major player in AEW. Going back to some of the conversations we had with the callers yesterday, this is another example of him building this homegrown talent and making them major superstars. I think we have one with Orange Cassidy. And I love the time limit draw. I mean, boy, if the WWE had the time limit draw, it would make a lot more sense with some of the matches that we see. And... That's kind of how you can make somebody. Nobody lost. Every Both wrestlers look good, and Orange Cassidy certainly look good. And you can see it, like the frustration from Cody. You know, he was taking them lightly. He was doing the push-ups in the ring, and we got a time limit draw. This leaves it very open-ended. I liked that match last night between those two. I'm going to make a blanket statement about how I felt after the match was over. And I want to see if you understand my, my take just by the blanket statement. Okay. I can fully buy into Orange Cassidy hanging with Jericho. Beating Jericho. I couldn't buy into Orange Cassidy hanging with Cody for 20 minutes. 
That's my blanket statement. Do you get where I'm coming from or not? Um, I don't for this reason because and and maybe this is your point you're going to make is the 20 minutes. Like if it, I I think for 20 minutes Orange Cassidy could hang with Cody, especially because Cody didn't take him as serious as he should. Cody is a wrestler wrestler. Cody is a great amateur wrestler also. Cody can wrestle. Yes. Jericho is a star and kind of a kind of a gimmick and especially when he's assuming the heelish role, you can get a lot of you can get away with a lot of stuff because he can slip on a banana peel, he can make a mistake, he can do a, some slapstick stuff where Orange Cassidy can slide right into that character stuff that he does and make it make sense. Against Cody, it was a harder sell for me, especially when Cody had the waist lock on Orange Cassidy early in the match, and Cassidy was just able to get his arms out and in his pocket. I'm sorry. I don't see that happening against Cody. Jericho, yes. Cody, no. A wrestler, wrestler who's got a waist lock on you, you're not just getting out a la Orange Cassidy. I get it. It was entertaining. Orange dropped down, gave Cody the double boots. I, I, I liked the match. I really liked the finish, how they hit the time the ro- with, the, uh, with, with, with the pinning predicament that they were in. I just don't know if I bought Orange hanging for 20 minutes with Cody. I can understand that bully. I, knowing his background, knowing what an amazing amateur wrestler Cody was and what a, a consummate professional wrestler he actually is and Orange Cassidy, the way he does things. I just feel like it kind of, I buy into it because I think the same way that you and I felt going into that match was the same way Cody felt like there's no way that this guy could beat me. And I think he took him for granted. And I think there's a little bit more to Orange Cassidy than just this lazy style. In a lot of ways, this is a way is there? that I, I think there is. Like, there's, it's almost like this is the way to. This is the way I can get you. I can get under your skin with the way that I do things. You're gonna have a perception of me. I'm gonna be able to get under your skin, and I'm actually skilled. But I'm not gonna let you know it till we're in the moment. I think there's a little bit of that with Orange Cassidy. That's why I kind of find this character extremely fascinating because he angers me, bully. This is where like. The 49-year-old LaGreca and the 13-year-old Izzy are going to have different opinions. And I'm, I'm looking forward to taking Izzy's phone call today. I don't even know if she's on, but I haven't opened up this phone call software. But I have a feeling she'll be calling us today. Because there is no way that an Orange Cassidy that just goes in there and it looks like he doesn't give a shit can actually hang 20 minutes with Cody. But I think there's a little method behind the madness when it comes to orange cassidy and i love the i love the time limit draw i love the you know justin roberts counting it down it's old school and it works because you saw the frustration with cody you saw like are you shitting me right now like we only got 30 seconds left in this match and i haven't beat him yet and you see a little him getting a little bit frantic 
I, I really, I really enjoyed that match between those two. Though, bully, the comment that you're making is 100% correct. Thus, the frustration that Cody was feeling, and probably a lot of fans were feeling too. And great job by Jr. pointing out some little things about Cody's, you know, whether deciding to do the push-ups or I even heard Jr. say the coach is not going to be happy about that referencing Arn and Cody doing something that Arn knows is is not in Cody's best interest in the match. Um, here's what I did like about Orange Cassidy last night. When there was about one minute left in the match, Orange hit a massive false finish on Cody, got a two count, and then you saw, you almost saw the, the hulking up in his face. You saw some fire in him. You saw what maybe you're talking about, that next level of Orange Cassidy, that something more to Orange Cassidy. Orange and Jericho, it's one thing. Orange and Cody just felt a little, I don't know. Because in in reality, Orange Cassidy wouldn't last three minutes with Cody on a mat. If three minutes... Cody time into a freaking pretzel. I, and it's sports entertainment, and I get it. We had to go 20 minutes. I like the fact that there was a 20-minute time limit draw for the television title. I'm just not quite sure Orange Cassie was the right guy to get that 20-minute draw against Cody. You mentioned Jim Ross, and I'm glad you did because I almost forgot because he was definitely a great soundtrack to that match last night. Because he talked about, like, you know, Cody doing the push-ups. Why is he doing this? He mentioned Arn Anderson, too. When he mentioned Arn Anderson that he's not going to be happy with this is when he went up to the top rope. Because JR went to explain about, hey, this guy's a great amateur Matt wrestler. Why is he doing these things that Orange Cassidy wants you to? He played into Orange Cassidy. I'm telling you, people knock on Jim Ross since he's been with AEW, if you really listen to Jim Ross, you wouldn't be knocking Jim Ross because he really does an amazing job of calling it like it is. JR tries to kind of, you know, do a little bit, maybe a little bit more because of Excalibur and like because of the audience that he knows is, is, is watching. But man, the core of Jim Ross and what he brings to the table, perfect example was that match last night. That's why he's a he's a freaking Hall of Famer. Go back and watch that match and listen to Jim Ross's commentary. What did I tell you was my favorite part of the dog collar match between Cody and Brody Lee? It was Jim Ross's commentary, the way he brought uh, uh, Greg Valentine into the story. People me, sleep put, on JR for whatever reason. Dude, he's really the glue that holds everything together on that show. You know why they sleep on him? Because he's older. Because he's been around since, since caveman days. So they bust JR's chops because he's old. Did you ever see, stop to think that maybe JR is just having fun? Did you ever stop to think that JR, who's, uh, on, as he would say, on the back nine of his career, has been given an opportunity to go out there and say whatever the hell he wants to say with a great, uh, with a great boss and a great group of, group of guys and gals and yep. can just wing it and not have somebody in his ear and can do this the way he was taught to do it and saw yep. how to do it by Gordon Soley and any of the other greats? 
Did you ever think that he's just out there saying the things that he wants to say because he truly wants to help tell stories? And yeah, maybe once or twice he says something that maybe doesn't sound right or is maybe corny or whatever. So what? I'd rather have JR saying something corny or dumb than having an overproduced JR on my television set. And I don't even think it's like he'll make like he referenced Gordon Soley last night, which I loved. He referenced Dire Straits last night, which I loved. And then, you know, you have Excalibur, you know, name all these holds, you know, uh, you know, that's indirific for for the lack of a better term. So that's fine. Like, I think there's you got Tony Schiavone, who's funny as hell. And you got Jr. That's the foundation, old school commentary. And you got Excalibur that brings that indie feel to the commentary team. I think it's a perfect combination of the three. I love it when like like I think I heard them do this one time earlier on in AEW where somebody did, you know, a suicide dive to the floor. And Excalibur is like, Tope Suicida. And Jr. is like. Yeah, where I come from is dive. <laughs> you know, like, it's yeah. so and funny. They, and they referenced just, that last night. They referenced they that last night. <laughs> like, where I come from is just a dive, you know? Like, and this guy. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie Kingston said that. Eddie Kingston's like, hey, JR, do you know what that is? And, he, and, and JR's like, yeah. And, and, you know, it's a dive. And Excalibur's like, no, it's a, you know, a Swahili 360 through the, through the I, wanted J, I wanted JR to shove it right up Eddie's ass and go, I couldn't even remember the Japanese guy's name in New Japan, how am I supposed to remember the names of these dives? <laughs> like, that would take all of the internet BS that JR would, would have been having to deal with and just turning it in against them and basically saying, I don't care what the names of the moves are. I don't need to know the names of the moves are. That's why I got the kid with the mask next to me. Let me do my thing and tell my stories because the kid with the mask next to me can't tell the freaking stories. I, 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 and, and you know what? And, and these fans don't understand that sometimes JR is trolling the fans here. Like all these naysayers, he's, he's making these backhanded compliments or backhanded remarks to these people that are criticizing him. And they, and it goes right over their heads, which I think is absolutely fair. Kudos to JR. Hey everyone, this is Lisa Ann. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, the Lisa Ann experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. It's 2020. You have to evolve with the times. The wrestling companies have to evolve with the times. The wrestlers have to evolve with the times. And fans have to evolve with the times. Listen, it comes with every type of business, music. If you're a music purist and you, you love music from the 70s and 80s and listen to music in 2020, it's probably not going to be your cup of tea. But if you look at it in the eyes of 2020 and you look, like you said, Bully, look at it from 30,000 feet, I think you'll enjoy it and buy into it just a little bit more. You talked about seeing Orange Cassidy in the ECW arena and how over he was with that arena crowd. About a thousand people, correct? Yes. Who did Orange Cassidy have the balls to stand up to that night? Bully Ray. Do you think the character of Bully Ray should be doing anything with Orange Cassidy? Probably not, no. 
When Bully Ray and Orange Cassidy did whatever business they had in the middle of the ring, did it work? Yes. Did Orange Cassidy take a step forward? Yes. Did Bully Ray take a step back? No. And there you have it. It's very simple. If if a, this guy, the, the, the last caller talks about being a wrestling fan for 40, 50 years. I've been a wrestler for 30 years. If I can see through the smoke and see what this kid has and are willing to give my character to him to take a step forward by doing it the right way, then it's right for business. My problem was last night was... I didn't think certain aspects of the match were done the right way, i.e. the thing that me and Mike, the caller, agreed with, the out-wrestling of Cody. When I say out-wrestling, I don't mean ducking a clothesline, leapfrogging, and catching a sunset flip. I'm talking about being able to get out of actual wrestling holds, the most basic wrestling holds, a waist lock. And getting out of the waist lock with comedy, that works with Jericho. That doesn't work with Cody. And I understand that. And I understand a lot of what Mike was saying, too. Um, But the proof, as I said before, is in the pudding. ECW Arena, 1,000 people, not an AEW show, you know, House of Hardcore show. It's bully. It's it's, it's Orange Cassidy in the middle of the ring. Now, if I recall correctly, Bully, that match that night was not the main event. It was not the main event. I know I remember because I actually felt sorry for the wrestlers that were involved in the main event because of the crowd reaction from when you and Orange Cassidy were in the ring. I it was a memorable reaction for Orange Cassidy. He is that type of wrestler. Sometimes bully there's wrestlers you just can't put your finger on and define. I think Orange Cassidy falls into that category of I can't explain it. I don't understand it, but it's over and we're going to go with it. Is Drake Maverick over? Yes. Is Ron Killings over? Yes. Is Orange Cassidy that much of a... uh... Can you mention Orange Cassidy, Drake Maverick, and Ron Killings in the same sentence? Yes. I, I don't know why a, a, a truth can work and a, and a Drake Maverick can work. And I, there's probably other gimmicks that were in the WWE that technically should not have worked, but they did. And why do they work? Because somehow they find a way to resonate and invoke emotion. That's all that matters in this business is emotion. What are they reacting to? And when you can identify what they're reacting to, you use that as the foundation as to build on that character. With Orange Cassidy, this sloth style, lazy style, whatever it is, People are really gravitating towards it. We're seeing people dress up like him. We're seeing people buy his merchandise. We're seeing kids call into our show saying that they they like him. They're tweeting about him. Wait a minute. We can't be blind to all of this stuff. We're getting smacked in the face with this kid, Orange Cassidy, is on his way. Now, I'm not going to compare gonna say- him to Bruno. No, but again, I think the George the Animal Steel comparison is a maybe sounds a little bit off, but you know, when you're talking about Bruno San Martino and you're throwing out all these, you know, Lou Fezes and all these scientific wrestlers, well, one of the best feuds Bruno had was with George the Animal Steel. 
Hey, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, and I might have this story askewed. Dreamer would know, Snake would know, and you probably should know. Do we consider Nature Boy Buddy Rogers a great wrestler? Or you're like, he's, he's revered in the business, right? Yes, he is. Isn't the story true that Bruno didn't want to work with him because he thought he was too much of a gimmick? Yes, it's 100% true. Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, too much of a gimmick. He's one of the most revered legends in our business, isn't he? Yep. But Bruno didn't want to work with him. Too much of a gimmick. You see the comparison? Or not? No, I definitely do. And you mentioned R-Truth. Now, you know, I'm already seeing on Twitter, yeah, but Orange Cassidy is in a championship match. R-Truth's the 24-7 champion. That's a gimmick championship. Hey, when R-Truth was doing the whole Little Jimmy stuff and all that stuff, he had a championship match on a pay-per-view, the main event at Capital Punishment against John Cena. So I'm not saying that Orange Cassidy should be the AEW world champion and be the face of the franchise, but over is over. I'm telling you, if there were 15,000 people in Daly's place last night, all 15,000 of them would have been on Orange side and would have wanted to see him beat Cody and would have spit on every false finish. If I was the agent or the producer sitting down with Orange and and, uh, Cody, I would have, however, suggested to them to stay away from the out-wrestling of Cody. I don't think it's believable, and I think it's a force feed. All of the other stuff, go with it. And, you know, he mentioned about Raw, I, I, you know, I, the other day, Tuesday, when you, I was on with Tommy Bully, I had, a, I had a meltdown about Monday Night Raw. That has nothing to do with the characters and personalities on the show. That's about the handling of the characters and personalities and storylines that make zero logical sense. Now, you're talking about something within the match that they probably should have stayed away from. You know what? I'm with it. But as far as the character progression and the evolution of Orange Cassidy, I think they're on, this, on the right road in AEW. What I was so pissed off about with Monday Night Raw was the handling of the retribution storyline. It makes no logical sense right now. And I I just think Raw right now is not a very good show. But like when you're starting to talk about comparisons of companies, I think that's unfair because I think, Bully, you're right. I think Vince McMahon would fall in love with somebody like Orange Cassidy. Again, they probably wouldn't put him in the ring against Brock Lesnar, but who's asking for that? He would be a star on WWE programming. There's no doubt because of the E. It's all about entertainment. And if Vince saw something in this guy, he would run with it. He wouldn't put him in there with monsters But you know what? Rey Mysterio beat the big show. Is that credible and believable? Why can Rey Mysterio beat the big show and we're on our feet giving it a standing ovation? Oh my God, Rey's the best. Why? Because Rey did a 619 and was a luchador and he's serious. No, it's because Rey was over. And we wanted to see the underdog defeat the giant. Orange is an underdog. He's a cool hipster. I don't, I don't even know what the, the cool kids call him. Izzy would know. Cool hipster, lazy underdog. 
in a way, he's almost doing the gimmick that Sonata was doing a couple of years ago in New Japan, the whole yep. I don't care about anything gimmick. Orange took it to the next level and gave it an actual look. So when I look at a kid like that, if I, if I look at Orange Cassidy for, for what is, what's his name, Jim or whatever the hell it is, Jim versus me, Mark, in the street, I'll kill Jim. I'll dip him in blue cheese, eat him like a chicken wing. One stroke him. <laughs> One stroke done. <laughs> One stroke done. But I see how over he is in the ring. And I say to myself, this is a guy who I think is talented. This is a guy who I think has a future. This is a guy that can possibly draw money. Sure. I'm willing to do things with him. And that's why I did what I did that night. And I would do it in front of 20,000 people. And I'd be damned if given five minutes with Orange Cassidy in front of 20,000 people that I couldn't get him over to the next level. Bully, it's all it's pro wrestling, too. We saw a feud between CM Punk and Brock Lesnar, correct? It was a yes. great feud from about seven years ago. It was seven or eight years ago. It was hot. It was fantastic. Now we've seen in the legit, credible MMA world where, you know, Brock Lesnar was a, is a former champion and, and CM Punk would go into the cage and embarrass himself and get humiliated. If Brock Lesnar and CM Punk a year from now have a main event match at WrestleMania, you're going to tell me not that everyone's going to buy into that? Everyone would buy into that match. Everybody would. Because they love CM Punk. He's over. Everybody would be cheering for CM Punk to beat Brock Lesnar. And if CM Punk beat Brock Lesnar, we would not be taking phone calls the next day about how could they have CM Punk beat Brock Lesnar? That's, uh, that's not realistic. It's not credible. It's pro wrestling. You could do that and it would work. Back in the mid 80s, would you say majority of wrestlers were body guys? Yes. When Ric Flair was the heavyweight champion of the NWA, he looked great, didn't he? He did. Road Warriors looked great, didn't they? Yep. Russians looked great, didn't they? He sure did. Nikita Freebirds. I mean, I mean, you, you name them. They were all jacked up and gassed to the gills, right? Yes. What did Dusty look like? He looked like he sometimes say he looked a little, little bit like a mess. You know, belly a little too big, ass a little too big. Was he over? Oh, probably more than any other baby face in the history of pro wrestling. Did gassed up to the gills body guy monsters like the Road Warriors ever have a problem bumping for Dusty's elbow, despite no. that Dusty wasn't very muscular? Nope. Why? And Dusty was over. And over is over. Period. And that's the same period that Dr. Britt Baker forgot to put after the doctor word on the tweet. So put that in your drill bit and suck on it, toots. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it into Mickey. It's somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid has stolen victory. 
victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, well. Want to get into John Moxley and Lance Archer? Uh, the main event from AEW Dynamite last night. We talked a lot about Lance Archer going into that match last night. I've been very vocal that I was actually rooting for Lance Archer last night because I just think that the one thing AEW need is that big, badass heel, and I think Lance Archer is that. He loses, but he really dominated that match last night, and it was kind of like you know a wonky pinning combination that got him in the end, and then it led to Eddie Kingston. But I thought a very good effort between Lance Archer and John Moxley last night, bully. Can you guess the number one thing that people were tweeting me about last night? In that, what's match? that? I don't know. What's Take that? a guess. Anything? Anything come to mind? Was it because the 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 exit of Lance Archer after that match took place? So let me see if you agree with the mentality of most of the tweets that I got about okay. um, uh, uh, the match. Too many kickouts of too many big moves. I saw that too. Um, it didn't but, really it didn't really bother me. It's a championship match. It's a main event on an anniversary show. I mean, Lance Archer and John Moxley are two heavy hitters. I don't mind the kickouts, the the amount of kickouts that we got last night. And I'll tell you why I don't mind either. In theory, yes, too many kickouts of too many big moves, and I don't like prostituting moves. But as you said, main event television anniversary show if you're gonna do it that's the time to do it main event anniversary show or on a pay-per-view so i dug it i like the physicality i i wish they would keep archer stronger like i would have liked to have seen i guess we saw as much destruction from him as we possibly could have post-match I just want to, I think Archer is too uh, special of a monster killer heel. I'm not a fan of the new ring gear and the hat. I like Lance Archer, uh, New Japan, uh, um, uh, Bruiser Brody-esque, the wild man, the unpredictableness. You never know if he's going to, you know, punch somebody in the mouth in the front row. Big, credible, killer heels are hard to come by. Next week, I hope they feed him a bunch of guys. Week after week after week. I want to see him get back up to that, to that level I know he can be at. I think they've put him into too many championship match opportunities. The TNT championship match with with Cody and then the championship match last night we saw with Moxley. Uh, Lance Archer doesn't need a championship. He doesn't need one right now. And I think right now, I think you said the best thing of all is just feed him, guys. Just have him go out there and just beat the shit out of people. Um, I agree with you about the Bruiser Brody-esque entrance that he had in the Tokyo Dome in his match with Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom. I love that because he did Bruiser Brody where he was knocking people down. Like he was coming in and just swatting people down, chairs flying, all that stuff. I like that from, from Lance Archer. Did we really need to see 
Lance Archer in a championship match with John Moxley last night? Probably not. I think it was a good effort. I don't think I don't think Lance Archer lost anything in that loss to Moxley, but you got to be careful when you have somebody special like Lance Archer putting him in matches where he's going to lose. See, I would never have used the tables in the body of the match. I would have saved those for post-match. Because if you would have set those tables up and then never used them, because they, they were inconsequential. It's just a table spot. They come back in the ring. Mox hits another big move. I think he might have even hit the deeds. And then he, uh, Archer kicked out. So the tables were ineffective. Why not put credibility on the tables and make them effective? Why not take them out of the body of the match? Post-match, Archer Mafia kicks uh, uh, Moxley and then picks them up and power bombs him over the top rope through the tables. Now Eddie Kingston does all of that stuff right there on the floor. Now the tables mean something. Now the post-match violence from Archer is credible. Yeah, Moxley went over, but Archer got over. And not only did he get over, he destroyed the champion. Yeah, That's personally what I would have done because it keeps the gimmicks credible instead of just throwing the gimmicks out the door and using them for a false finish. What do you think about the way the match ended where, in, in essence, Archer got outsmarted by Moxley with that pinning combination. You saw the frustration all over Jake's face. Like Jake legitimately looked upset and angry about the way that match ended. He actually had his, his head in his hands after that match was over. Um, did that hurt Mo Did that hurt Archer at all? Or was that the best way to get out of that match with him losing without, you know, making him look weak? They caught a quick one on him. He was up after the match. He was able to lay Moxley out, right? Mm-hmm. If Moxley would have pinned him with a strong finish, probably not. But here's where I have a problem with the tables into the, into the paradigm shift. So Archer was able to kick out of being put through two tables and a paradigm shift. He might have even taken two paradigm shifts, but he couldn't kick out of a roll-up. Does that make sense? It was it was it was odd the way it was placed. Like it, it was wasn't like, like a your typical backslide. They yeah, did it, was, it in the Orange so, Cassidy Cody match also, and they used yeah. it as a false finish. Yeah. My point is this: I'm not saying that that could not have been the finish. It should not have been the finish if you're going to hit so many paradigm shifts and put him through tables. I would have taken the tables out of the equation and used the tables for the post match beatdown. Or it's hard. just gave it all to Kingston. It mattered more for Kingston than it did for Archer or for Moxley or for a false finish. We're just putting people through tables gratuitously for no reason. They got no mileage out of that big spot. All it was was a here today, gone in two seconds, false finish. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 